glad you're here. I'm glad all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brother, <laughs> he says, Brother Lewis style. He do be making that podium super sharp. Excel. One time for the one time, I said, Ayo. Hey, yo, I'm so glad you guys are here. Hey, I want all my students and leaders, I want you to do something for me, all right? I want you to take a really big, deep breath, hold it, and, and then let it out, let it out. School is finally over. You can breathe now. Relax. 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 All right, relax. Turn to your neighbor and say, relax. School's over. Summer has started. It's time to have some fun. I'm so glad y'all are here tonight. We have been in a series, a study. I like to say study because it's like it's actually what we're doing. Of the 63rd Psalm. And the series is called Better Than Life. We had a really cool bumper video. We'll probably share it another time. But can we get right into it? All right, here we go. If you got your Bibles, I want you to throw it up in the air like you just do care. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love seeing Bibles out there. Uh, I want to see more of them. Not that your phone is bad. I'm not judging you for using your phone. But there's something just special and something uh, evident about a physical copy of the Word of God. Um, it just feels nice. Dang, my knuckles are ashy. All right. Had nothing to do with that. Don't look at my knuckles. I'm very excited for tonight. So here we go. What is better than life itself? I asked you that question last week and proposed you to really... Think about it. What in your life do you love more than God? What in your life do you love more than anything else? What in your life do you hold closely enough to say this is more valuable than anything else? If you answer that honestly last week, then what you'll see is a dying need to be sustained in your worst moments. Because what you hold close the most to, what you hold closely, is normally what you run to. What we hold close to our hearts are what we tend to run to in times of trouble, in times of confusion, in times of pain, in times of wilderness, and in times of desert places. What do you love more than God? David answers this question in the 63rd Psalm. He's like, what is the most valuable thing in my life? What is better than my own life? And we talked about this last week, but he discovers God's loving kindness. For those of you that are just popping into the series, this is week three. Psalm 63 brings us into a very real moment. If you don't know where the Psalms is, just take your Bible, put your fingers in the middle of the Bible, and then pull it apart 
boom, you're in the Psalms. Bet you it'll work. If it doesn't, you did it wrong. All right, so, so Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible. It's a compilation of prayers, poems, dialogues, songs, reflections written by David and other psalmists. But Psalm 63 is a real moment that we see in David's life. If you remember, scholars believe and they debate that whether or not David wrote this in two different moments of his life. Both moments lead him to the wilderness, which is why you see a desert up there. One was the king that he was serving decided, you know what? I'm jealous, I'm prideful, I'm going to kill you. So he goes on the run, and he hides in the wilderness for years. The other side that the scholars debate is still in the wilderness, but at this point, David is running away again, fearing for his life, not because of the king, but because of his son, who has started a rebellion. The scholars like to call this the wilderness years for King David. So either way, the David that you know as a hero, giant slayer, killing thousands of people, straight up, just crazy, is now a refugee. He is on the run. He is a cave dweller. He lives in caves in the wilderness. David is broken. So out of his mouth, in this brokenness, in the most anxiety, stress-filled, depressed moment of his life, he decides to sing a song. And what are the words that come out of David's mouth? A literal praise. Say praise. A literal praise comes out of his mouth, and we get what we have, Psalm 63, today. This means that David both knew and experienced something of God's loving kindness that sustained him in some of his lowest moments. So this better than life love that we talked about in week one will sustain you in your highest and lowest moments. That's why we need this love, the love of God, the loving kindness of God more than anything else. David held God's love and kindness so close to his heart that when in troubled times, he knew who he could turn to. So again, recap. In week one, we discovered what it means to pursue and seek God, who is our personal God, right? Oh God, my God, right? Who gives us strength and glory if we seek him and proclaim our allegiance to him. In week two, we discovered the secret to David's endurance and perseverance, which was God's loving kindness. We discovered that remembrance leads to worship. That that what comes out of our mouth matters. That it's blessed, that it blesses God when we worship him with lifted hands and voices. So tonight, part three is called this. Go ahead and throw it up there. Thankful confidence in God. Now, if we can all stand for the reading of God's word, come on, stand to your feet with me. Make sure you bring your Bible with you. Make sure you bring your Bible. We're going to stand up. I like it, kicking it old school. All right, Psalm 63. We're not going to read all of it today because it's really long. I want you to go ahead and read that if you just pop it in. We are just going to read verses 7 and 8 together. Here we go. Because you have been my help, therefore 
In the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this insight into your heart, into your mind, into your creativity. This is you. You are the word. This is your voice to us. And so tonight, God, we listen closely to what you have to say because what you have to say is way more important and impactful than anything I or anyone else could say. And so this is your word, not mine. Don't let me preach it in a way that you didn't intend it to be preached. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead. Find your seat. Can you bring that verse back up one more time? Seven and eight. Because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. If you're new to the series, we have, go, we have been going verse by verse, verse by verse, almost word for word in Psalm 63 to discover what exactly is being said here. Because many times you and I as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we read the Bible and we get overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed is because we read a whole bunch of passage, we read a whole chapter, and then we ask ourselves this question, what did that mean? And then we be confused. We be, like our brains just be tired from reading because y'all don't read enough, right? Or whatever it is. Whatever it is. So I'm trying to teach you how to read the Bible in a really fun and easy way. You go line by line. Now, Pastor Vocab hit me up. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't have, if y'all don't know who Pastor Vocab is, go uh, re-watch our, our series of the past few weeks, and you'll see Pastor Vocab has been a good friend of mine. He's been helping me. He called me up before I could text him. He goes, hey, I already know you're going to bother me. Here's what it is. And he broke down the verses for me. So we don't get to hear from Pastor Vocab uh, today, but he did help me a lot. I want to break this down for you. Say, break it down. Here we go. First line, it says, because you have been my help. Because you have been my help. Many of David's psalms that he writes, right? There's 150. He didn't write all of them, but there's 150 psalms. And many of them, some of them, I won't say many, but a good portion of them are cries for help. Right? They just help. Help me, right? Help me, right? Since, the, since this psalm was composed from the wilderness of Judah, where he is at, it's a real place. You can Google it and find out, yeah, that is a wilderness desert place that I don't want to be in. There was certainly a, a reason for David to ask for help. He could have asked for help. Yet, in Psalm 63, we see David not do any of that. Psalm 63, we read it, has no cry for help. Pause. Kind of doesn't make sense, right? When I was reading this, Pastor Vocab, he goes, hey man, the first line here, it's not going to make sense. I'd be like, why? Then I read it. Then he was like, you get it? I'm like, no. He is in the worst time of his life. Now, it's, it's pretty obvious that when you and I are in trouble, we normally ask for, we normally ask for help. I think of, I think of toddlers, right? When they need help getting something, 
right? I think of Pastor Ariel when she can't open jars or water bottles or anything that twists, right? She asks, it's true, right? You know, I'm strong. I open up all the pickle jars. Take that peanut butter, right? She asks for help. We are conditioned as people to ask for help. It's just in our DNA. We just ask for help. Some of y'all, like, don't like asking for directions if you're lost, right? That's going against everything inside of you because you know you're lost. You ask for directions. But we ask for help. So I, I was reading this, and when I saw that, I noticed, wait a minute. He's not asking for help. This is the worst time of his life. And he is not asking for help. And so right away, this is something that you and I need to learn as we read the Bible. If something doesn't seem natural, it may be supernatural. And when we read something and it's like, wait a minute, that's not what I would have done. And maybe it's something that we need to look at. So there's no cry for help. But what do we hear from David instead of crying for help? We see him give thanks. That's crazy. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's crazy. We see David give thanks and give praise. For God's faithfulness in many times when God has already given help. Pause. Leave this right here. Because you, what's this next word? Say it louder. Because you, it's not were. It's have. So he's remembering something. In his praise, in his praise, in his worship, he's like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't need to ask for help because help has already been given. Help has already been given because you have been my help. The strength, the glory that we talked about in week one, as we drink in his strength and glory when we're in his presence, that sustains you. God has already given you the tools for you to make it in wilderness moments. So David doesn't feel the need to ask for help, but because in remembering that God has sustained him in the past, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says, then in the same way that God has helped me then, God will help me now. Like God didn't switch up on you. Like God didn't just like do a 180 and be like, no, I'm good, man. Like I already helped you once. It's like that one stingy friend with the notes. Be like at school, like, hey, man, can I borrow your notes? Bro, I gave you my notes last week. That's not God. God is trying to help you. God is like, I won't give you my notes, but I'll study with you. I'll be there with you. I'm not going to pull you out of the wilderness, but I'm going to be with you in it. Because you have been my help. David saying, because you have been my help, I know right here, right now, I don't need to complain to you because right now, as I'm singing, you are strengthening me. Help has already been given. So I want you to understand something. This, this hit me hard when I was studying this. This hit me hard because, like, how many times do we go looking for things to strengthen us? How many times do we go looking for help in other things because we don't think God is listening or God doesn't help us? Help has already been given. How do we have help right now? What is helping us right now? How has help already been given in this day and age? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's why you and I need to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the, and the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's amazing, right? But the whole point is to empower you. Empower you to preach good news, to build the church. It's the, the Holy Spirit, he strengthens you in times of need. So how do you have help right now? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that when I was at basic training, kids would come up to me and be like, man, I just feel this and that and weak. You know, and I was like, are you a believer? Yes. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Y- yes. You know, there were some spirit-filled guys there. I said, everything you need from God is already in you. He is all sufficient to sustain you. And so if the Holy Spirit is in you, then the strength, courage, bravery, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness, we can go through the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it, it's available to you. So instead of asking for it, call it out of you. So you, like, you don't need to ask God for these things. I believe that inside now, are there moments where we've reached our limit? Yes, but truly I believe that instead of asking God for help, you need to realize that the help is in you, that the strength is in you. God has equipped you. The Bible says God has equipped you with strength for the battle. It's in you. Help has already been given. Let's go to the next part. It says, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. The idea of the shelter of the shadow of God's wings, like, that kind of sounds weird. We're like, what does that, that's, like, very creative. It's like somebody in creative writing class writing a poem, right? But it's creative. So the idea of the shelter in God's wings is repeated many times in the Psalms. So we actually see it a few more times. So David had this thing. I don't know if he just liked birds. I don't know if he was, like, a bird guy or whatever it is. You know, like, cat people? You know, some of y'all cat people, that's great, right? He might have been a bird guy. I don't know. But it's repeated in many times in the Psalms. Sometimes it has the idea of protection, like uh, like as a mother bird shelters her young chicks. Uh, in our backyard, Ariel and I, I have a tree. It's a really nice full tree. Uh, there's been a nest, and there's been baby birds. And so every other day, I go in, I take my phone, snap a picture, and I look. And I'm like, oh, my babies are growing, right? <laughs> right? Rack, Shack, and Benny, there's three of them. And, and, and I was so sad. You know, their mom, like whenever mom was close, the mom bird, I can hear her chirping at me if I was getting too close. And then I would see her there, and she'd be like hovering over them. And then yesterday was really sad. I went out there to say, what's up? Good morning. God bless you. Dios te bendiga. And they were gone. All right? They're gone. They grew up. My babies flew away. Right? So it's this idea of protection. It's this idea that God is covering you. That he sees you kind of like a baby bird. It's like you can't really feed yourself. You can't really protect yourself. You are, you are dependent on something greater and stronger and higher than you. That's God covering you. He's covering you. He's protecting you. Other times, it has the idea of presence. has the idea of presence. As in the wings of the seraphim, which are angels, a certain type of angel that surrounded the throne of God, that surrounds the throne of God. Let me just go on a little rabbit trail over here, okay? We see in Isaiah... Chapter 6 is not going to be up here. But we see a vision happen where he's seeing the throne of God. 
One of my favorite songs called You Are Holy, written by Stephanie Gretzinger. It's a great song. She uses these words. And the train, which are scripture, and the train of your robe fills the temple. And the angels circled round and they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is what they're saying. So these angels have six wings. Six wings. A pair of wings cover their feet. A pair of wings are used to fly. And a pair of wings are used to cover their face. Why am I even telling you this? This is how great the God that loves you is. That even as they cover their eyes, as they cover their face, even even a creature, an angelic being that has never known sin, that has never known impurity, even that creature still says he is too holy. He is too worthy. He is too awesome for me to even see and look at. Then he's got, then they have wings that they can fly, although they don't need to go anywhere. The wings symbolize them being ready at the command of God to go do something, whatever it is, because he is that powerful. And he is the authority over their life. And they see wings cover their feet. As in saying, even, even, even the lowest part of me, God, I don't even want you to see that. You're worthy. You're holy. And these two, they yell back and forth. They yell back and forth to each other. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to go to it, actually. It says this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so we see two things. So go ahead and show those, that next slide. So again, we see two things. When God says, or when the psalmist says, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. We see protection and we see presence. We see protection and we see presence. We see protection just like a mother bird. We see presence as we see angels who are angelic beings who have never known any type of impurity. Even they cry holy, holy. And even they in the presence of God bow before him. So in the shadow of his wings, I will rejoice, he says. That means you're protected. That means you're in his presence. That means he's got you. He's got you. He cares about you. He wants to help you. And so David is seeing, even in this moment, a, a horrible moment in his life, he said, God, I don't feel great, but I know, I know that you're covering me. I know that you're with me. Learn, learn from David. Learn from this psalm that when you get into really tough moments of your life, you don't have to complain. You don't. Everything inside of you might want you to. Everything inside of you might want to ask for help. And don't get me wrong, I want you to cry to God for help. There's so, there's so many psalms that say, I cried to God and he heard my cry. Like, there, there are psalms that say this. But I think there's some moments where instead of asking for help, you need to command and acknowledge that he is your help. That he's with you. 
that in the shadow of his wings you can rejoice, which makes no sense. This isn't in my notes, but in Psalm 23, we see a phrase that in the presence of my enemies, you what? Somebody that knows it. What, what happens in the presence of my enemies? What? Yes, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's crazy. Can you imagine me and you getting into a fight? And then right before you, right before you throw a punch at me, right? Because you probably could beat me up, right? Right before you throw a punch, I have somebody come out and set up a table with a charcuterie board. Wouldn't that throw you off? That'd be like, hold on, we about to fight. But is that Gouda? <laughs> right, right? Like, is that cheddar? Right? Is that smoked? Right? No. Is that Gabagool? No, it's not. So we're seeing something that David has said in Psalm 23 and in other Psalms that in the midst of horrible situations, God, you're there. And I can rejoice in it. And I can be glad in it. And I can be full in it. That's, I can't wait to go over Psalm 23. Don't worry. That's a, that's a little secret too. You didn't hear that. Next slide. Protection, presence. Here you go. The next line says, my soul follows close behind you. This is the connection that the believer, that you and I experience with God. David's soul was close to God, following him as one followed a master or a teacher. So let's, let's, let's fast forward to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. We see moments where God is calling, God, sorry, Oh, well, kind of God. Jesus, the Son of God, is calling people to follow him. Not just hang out with him. He is calling them to leave their lives behind and start a new one with him. Not just their lives, but their identity. That's a whole nother word. That's a whole nother word for this month. Um, their lives who they were, who they thought they were, who they believed they were. Jesus is like, I want you to leave all that behind and I want you to follow me. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Peter now. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new identity. And it might take you some time getting into that, but as long as you follow close behind me, you'll see why I've called you. That's a good word. That's a great word. So close behind. I follow you. So my soul follows close behind you. So what, what was God's response to David saying, I want to follow close behind you? Care. Strength. Care and strength for David. The phrase that he's saying here holds even more depth to it. We're talking about, we're not talking like about how a puppy follows its owner. Because puppies kind of just like do whatever, right? Anytime Dada posts her dog, like it's just the cutest thing ever, right? Like I have a great dog. She's very loyal. She's very awesome. But Dada's dog is literally the cutest thing in the world, all right? But puppies kind of just mindlessly follow because they don't know anything else. I'm not talking about that. What we're talking about is how Dottie latches onto me. So if you ever see Dottie running around, Dottie grabs my leg. Like if I'm walking, if I'm going somewhere around the house, Dottie's latching. She's following close 
behind me. She is clinging to me. She is glued to me. Why? Why? She knows where her strength comes from. She knows where her security comes from. She knows that I'm not going to hurt her or lead her astray. Some of you don't, this is a word, some of you don't follow close to God because you don't trust him yet. Because you still feel like he failed you because your parents got divorced. Some of you don't trust God just yet because that relative still died. And you prayed. And you prayed more than you've ever prayed before. I can't tell you why your parents got divorced. I can't tell you why, why that person passed away. What I can tell you is that I've put my trust in Jesus and he's never let me down. And in those really sad moments that I've encountered, in those really wilderness, desert places that I've been in, the only person that was really there for me was God. And I put my trust in him. And because I put my trust in God, I follow close behind him. Because where he is going, I want to go. You all want to know where Dot, why Dottie reaches and latches onto me? Because she can't walk by herself. You can't walk by yourself. Some of y'all think spiritually you're way more grown up than you are. But you cannot walk on your own. Just like if I left Dottie, she would stand in one place and do this. In the same way, that's you. The second you let go of God, it's not that he left you, it's that you stopped following. God left me, Pastor Izzy. I was out there. No, no, no. You stopped following. You let go. You stopped clinging to him. And the call tonight, in this moment right here, is trusting God again. Cling to him one more time. He'll lead you to the place where you need to go. I love this. The connection that is expressed here by my soul follows close is truthfully close. Very, very close. The words translated follows close have the sense of joining or gluing together. So Pastor Vocab hooked me up. He was like, hey, before you ask me, this is what it means. It's translated. So in Hebrew, what, what the attitude behind it is, it's not just following close like a puppy. It is glued to you. It is attached to you. Here's a question. What's attached to you? What sin in your life has been glued to you? What parts of your life, what hurt, what past pain has found itself joined and glued to you, following close to you? It's like some of you have let go of God and held on to the hurt. It's like some of you have let go, to, let go of God and held on to the pain. It's like you've let go of God and held on to the addiction. And so in the same way that you and I can be joined to God is the same way you can be joined to sin. What's that phrase? Let go and let God, right? Let go of your sin. Hold on to him. He won't lead you astray. In Genesis, we see this, this word joining and gluing. In Genesis chapter 2, 24, uh, it says this. Next slide. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be what? Joined. Say it again. Be what? To his wife and they shall become one flesh. Here, I've, I've been doing that. I've been being one. I've been out here being one. So in the same way that, listen, my wife and I are attached to the hip. She's my best friend. 
She's one of the best things that's ever happened to me, second to, to salvation. She is, she is, I don't even know how to describe to you how, how glued we are together. In the same way that like Ariel and I are like peanut butter and jelly, it just makes sense. It's the same way that you and, and your relationship with God need to be. Follow close behind him. How do you follow close behind him? It's this right here. You can't follow close if you're not following him. You cannot follow close if you are not following him. How do you follow Jesus? How do you become a disciple? How do you follow close like this scripture is saying in Psalm 63? It's this right here. Every step Jesus has ever made here, recorded. Three years of his ministry available for you to learn and study and see the very heartbeat of God. This is how you stick close. This is how you understand his heart for you. So you cannot and you will not follow close if you don't follow Jesus. I just follow vibes and energy and it's not Jesus. Let, let the crystals go. Let him go. He just rocks. The Bible says even the rocks will, cr- even the rocks will cry out. Listen, you can have the crystals all you want, but if we stop praising that same scripture, it's going to be singing Yahweh, Yahweh. It's going to be singing the same thing. That's 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 clip worthy right there. That's be, that's crazy. Say that's crazy. Say even the rocks. Even the rocks. I want to read you. I want to read you this quote. I love Charles Spurgeon. He'd be a little too deep sometimes, but I want to read you. God show us the quote. He says this. He was cited. It says the primary sense of the Hebrew word that we've been talking about, right? Stick close, following close, is to glue together. From thence, it signifies figuratively to associate, to adhere to, to be united with, and particularly to be firmly united with strong affection. That's what it means to follow close. So here's a question that I asked earlier that I want you to see on the screen. Who or what are you glued to? Who or what are you glued to? Who or what are you glued to? You should write that question down. Who or what am I glued to? I had a phone call with a, with a young adult today, and this conversation popped up. I was like, God, you're obviously trying to say something. And this person was like, I have a really big passion and hobby that I'm into, but things keep happening with it, and I don't know if it's time to... Let go. I was like, if God asked you to let go of it today, would it be a problem? And if it is a problem, then there's your answer. You need to let it go. You have found yourself glued to a false god. That's why video games, as I love video games. I'm not going to knock video games. But video games give sometimes a false sense of completion. A false sense of, of advancing. It's like we get into a game, we beat the level, we get leveled up, we prestige eight times in Call of Duty, we win a bunch of Warzone games, we, you know, we're ranked Diamond or, or whatever in whatever game that has no purpose in our life. 
but you feel fulfilled because you did something. But that doesn't do anything for you. It stays on the screen. It stays on the game. But yet we find ourselves glued to social media. We find ourselves glued to video games. We find ourselves glued to that relationship. We find ourselves glued to that sin because it gives us some sense of completion, this sense of fulfillment, this sense of I'm doing something when in reality it does nothing for you. And if it does anything for you, it's destroying you. It's leading you astray. So who or what are you glued to? When Psalm 63 says, I'll follow close behind you. He's calling us to follow close. That is an invitation. Follow close behind him. And then, Emily, why don't you join me? Next slide, it says this. Your right hand upholds me. The two words, right and hand, together, are mentioned 132 times in the Bible. You know when your mom repeats something? Probably should have heard it the first time. Saca la basura, right, whatever. Apaga la luz, right, whatever, right? 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 Those are all the words my mom yelled at me as a kid. So when the Bible says something a few times, that's something that we should pay attention to, right? 132 times in the Bible it says right hand. And from what I could tell, these verses show us four different purposes slash meanings to when we see right hand. Because when I read that, I was like, why the right hand? Ask questions when you read the Bible. Don't just be like, oh, it's the right hand. Why? Why is it the right hand? What's so special about the right hand? And why is it mentioned 132 times in the Bible? Something about the right hand. How many left-handers I got here? You right with your left hand? Awesome. Is there anybody like me that's ambidextrous? You can, two hands? No? Who can write with their toes? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Rule number one, don't answer that. Don't be weird. So, quickly, quickly, four ways, slash purposes and meanings that we see the right hand in the Bible. Because this is very important. Your right hand upholds me. This is a very strengthening sentence. This is something that like, oh man, that feels good. That makes me feel strong. You're, you're doing something for me. You're doing something to me, God, and I want to understand it. Here we go. Number one. Number one. When we see the, the words right and hand together in the Bible, we see one meaning, and it can be physically. It can be physically. So Genesis chapter 48, verse 18, it's not going to be on the screen, but Genesis 48, chapter 18 says, And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. So something physical is happening. But why the right hand? Okay, so I went in. So the second way I see the right hand used in Scripture is this, directional. So it's giving us some kind of direction, literally directional. Typically, the right hand refers to the south, and the left hand refers to the north, right? Because in Numbers 22, chapter 26, or chapter 22, verse 26, says this, And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the left hand or the right. So he's giving us some kind of direction. Here's number three. Another way that we see the right hand is honor. It's a place of honor. Hebrews Chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, there's that right hand again. 
the right hand of God, the throne of God. He is seated at the right hand. So this is a place of honor. This is where we find Jesus. If you, if the heavens opened up and we saw Jesus right now, he would be sitting at the right hand of the Father. So it is a place of honor. So, okay, your right hand upholds me. Physically, God can strengthen you. And then God can give you direction. When he holds you, when you've surrendered to him, when you trust in him, physically you're strengthened. Then he gives you direction. I want you to know that it's a place of honor. It's a place of honor. His right hand is holding you. And lastly, number four, we see it in a form of help and strength. Psalm 18 says this, verse 35. You've also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. So what do we see from this? God is willing and able and wanting to help us. Help you. He is wanting to help you. He isn't distant or far off. He is right here, right now, through his presence. The Holy Spirit in this moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like this is the life you've been given. Like this life that you've been given is up to you to control and run. And so far, you feel like you've done a crap job. You're here and you're like, listen, this is the life I've got and I I guess I have to control it. I guess I have to figure something out about it. And so far, I've been doing a horrible job. The stress of getting things right and being perfect for our parents, for our schools, for the scholarship. Now I got to be perfect for God and that seems impossible. And the overwhelming sense that if you don't get your stuff together, soon life is going to pass you by and you're going to be left behind. This is the pressure that you and I are under. Especially you as teenagers. Because now you are more exposed to the world and to life's problems more than any generation before you. My encouragement to you tonight is God wants to uphold you. He wants to hold you. When Dottie slips and falls and she cries, as a father, my first reaction isn't to chastise her. You shouldn't have been running. You should have worn shoes. You shouldn't be a baby. You shouldn't be whatever. No, my first reaction is to pick her up and hold her. Tonight, God wants to hold you. He wants to help you. I wrote this and I felt like it was for somebody. And I want you to hear me if this is for you. Maybe it's for somebody watching online or is going to. But I want to encourage you with this. He hasn't given up on you. Even if you've given up on yourself. He's not forgotten about you. He wants to uphold you. One of my favorite verses that got me through some of the hardest moments of my life. Some of the hardest moments of my life. We see in Isaiah 41. Go there. Go there real quick. If you got your Bible, go to Isaiah 41.10. I have it highlighted in mine. I read this to you a few weeks ago, if you remember, during a moment kind of just like this. Isaiah 
There are moments where I didn't know who I could turn to with some of the issues in my life. I was struggling with thoughts of, of insecurity. I was struggling with thoughts of comparison and so many things. And I found this verse, and when I read it for the first time, I felt like God really wrapped his arms around me. And it says this, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We see it in Isaiah. We see it in Psalms. We see it all throughout Scripture. God wants to help you. And time and time again, we buy into the lie that God doesn't want to help someone like me. I'm too dirty. God doesn't want to help someone like me. I'm still dealing with depression, and I've been to camps. And I've been to outreaches. I've been to revivals. I've been to every service. And I still feel like the world is caving in on me. How, why would God even want to deal with someone weak like me? I would say to you, you are in good company. Because some of the strongest people we see in Scripture has had some of the weakest moments in Scripture. And yet, they sit and they pen the words that God, you will help me, you will strengthen me, you will uphold me with your righteous right hand. Can I read you a letter real quick? And then we're going to respond to this. I feel like God is going to, to unstick and unglue some of the things in your life that you're dealing with. But it's easy for me to read you people in the Bible, but can I share the book of Pastor Izzy, chapter 1? Can I share something personal with you? I wrote a letter to Ariel when um, I was in a pretty dark time at basic training. I had just got there, and I got pulled from some people I knew, and immediately, without answer or question, was put into quarantine. And after quarantine, after 10 days of not being able to leave a room, if not for a meal and a shower, I was sent to what they call the reception battalion. And the reception battalion is in processing, where they check your teeth and your blood and your vision. And it's a, it's a picture, a DMV a hospital and Disney lines all in one place. And I was deep, deep in a dark place in my heart and in my mind. And I didn't know who to turn to. So I would write Ariel letters and I would pen the words how I'm feeling. And I'm going to read it to you. It says this, I honestly can't fully put into words how I'm feeling. This is the first time I've read this, by the way. So I'm sorry. Let's just say I've felt every emotion the past two days at reception have been awful. I've prayed and sang my way through a lot of those moments. Some of those moments were in bathrooms. 
the Lord has really opened up a lot of doors. Like I said, everyone calls me preacher. One person saw me pray, and then everyone started coming to me for help and encouragement and questions. That makes me feel nice. I feel more and more like Jesus. I've read my Bible every day and prayed for you every night at 8.30 p.m. I'm ready to be home. I'm ready to start training. I'm ready to be with you. I get sad sometimes. I've thought about quitting and coming home. I know you wouldn't want that. My anxiety has been bad, but that comes with the job. Sometimes I feel trapped and stuck. I've had a few panic attacks too. And before this, I've never experienced anything like that. It was rocking my world. I, I go on to say, but like David, I encourage myself and I worship. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. I feel weak, small, unprepared, and lost sometimes too. My foot has been acting up, plus my finger. I'm struggling a little bit with why God hasn't healed me yet. I want to be better. I don't want you to be sad or lonely. No, I think about you every second of the day. God is helping me. He has been very kind. He has calmed me. And he gives me his peace whenever I asked. He has reminded me who he is through Jesus. I'm scared to fail, but I know I'll succeed. I'm worried about my feet, but I know that he won't let me slip. I worry about you, but I know he watches over you. I'm already becoming a better man. I can feel it. I need your prayers. I go on to say other mushy stuff that I won't share because I'm one. I'm reading that. I'm reminded of that moment. It was early in the morning. It's about 2 or 3 a.m. And in another letter, I write to Ariel and I say, every giant that I've ever avoided in my life, I now face. I stare into the very things that I've been afraid of my whole life and I can't run anymore. I also write the words, I realized I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I share this vulnerable moment with you to let you know that I've been there too. I've been where you're at. Maybe you're at that place tonight. Maybe some of the things I said in this letter, you've said out loud. Or you've actually written down. But moments as I, as I read this tonight, I can remember that every time I sang, I would go into the bathroom and I would sing songs from my heart, even if it was a song that was never written. Some of the best songs I've ever written were just in an army bathroom. But in that moment, I would allow God, as I poured my love out onto him, I allowed God to come close. And I would start to glue myself to God because I knew that he was the only person that could get me through 
some of the darkest moments of my life. If you need help and you need God to intervene, to help strengthen you in a dark moment, to help you glue yourself to him, we're going to do that tonight, okay? So the first call that I'm going to do is this. Can somebody grab this for me and just bring it on up here? Thank you. I know if you got to go, you got to go. But I, I really believe that God is going to unstick you of things that don't matter, that aren't helping you anymore. And you're going to find yourself getting close to him in this moment. The first call is this. I want everyone to stand because we're going to do this together. I was afraid of going long, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do this. The first call is this, and I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you by stepping out of your seat and coming down to the front. I'm going to ask you by doing that to do what I did, and that's just be vulnerable. Now, I'm not going to have you talk, but in the same sense of me sharing this letter, you stepping out of the aisle to come down to the front is showing people that, listen, I don't have it all together. I'm not asking you to pretend tonight. I'm asking you to be real. And don't be late. The first call is this. If you need help mentally, you've deal, you deal with things mentally, I want you to come down to the front. God wants to deliver you. If you deal with anxiety or depression or stress or anxiety attacks, mentally you're just not in a healthy place. You're just not healthy. You doubt yourself a lot. You doubt people a lot. You're afraid of things. Mentally, you deal with things mentally. You're stuck in your head. You're stuck in your head. That's, that's what I'm hearing. You feel stuck up here. Awesome. So here's what we're going to do. Those of you that are in the back, I want you to pray. We'll do that in a second. At some point, all of us are going to be up here, and that's perfect. The second call is this. So those of you that are dealing with mental things, that's why you've responded. Second one is this. If you need help emotionally, emotionally, so that's like anger issues, right? That's like some, some sadness. You can't get your emotions under control. Or maybe you've been hurt emotionally. Is that anybody? I want you to be brave. If that's you, come. The third call is this. If you need help physically, you have a need in your body. You want God to heal you. I want you to come. I want you to come. If you want God to help you physically. I've been dealing with plantar fasciitis for three years now. It hurts when I walk. It hurts when I run. It hurts with certain shoes on. I believe my healing's coming. I believe my healing's coming. And the last one is if you need help from God spiritually, you just feel like spiritually you're not in a good place with him. Maybe you just don't follow him. Spiritually, you come into God's presence and you're spiritually dead. And you're spiritually dry. And you need God to refresh that in you. Is there anybody else? Awesome. I love that. If you didn't respond, that's okay. I'm not like looking at you like trying to figure out what I could say to get you up here. I'm not going to emotionally manipulate you. 
So here's what we're going to do. I don't feel the need to come and lay hands on every single one of you. I, 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 I'm not going to do that. I think God wants to lay his right hand on you. I think he does. So here's what we're going to do. You can, you can bump your keys up. I want you to spread out all the way from that wall to this wall. I just want you to spread out. Go ahead. Make room for yourselves. Because it's easy for us to kind of get bogged down hearing other people's prayers. God is here to help you. Not Pastor Izzy. I've done my job. I've said what I feel like God wanted me to say. Now it's God's turn to speak directly to you through your Holy Spirit, through His Holy Spirit. So the best posture that you can have in this moment is this. And this is going to be a lot for some of you. But can you just can you just get to your knees tonight? You can even sit. This is a total place of vulnerability. You can't run kneeling. You can barely fight kneeling. So this is you saying, God, I'm vulnerable before you. I'm bowing in your presence and I need your help. So whatever you responded to tonight, right now, I want you to begin to pray and ask God for help. Or call that strength from within you out. Go ahead, do that now. I'm going to have certain people come up and pray for each of these things.